0: GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your trusted source for relevant and legitimate Web3 information so you don't fall behind. On the Internet Revolution, I am Kyle Reedhead. I am not joined by my typical co-host Jay today. I think he's at a Bachelor. Is that where he is? Anyway, he's snowboarding somewhere in like Colorado or Utah or something. So today I'm joined by LG. LG joined us last month on the podcast, did an incredible job. LG is the founder of another podcast, a newsletter called The First Mint which, fun fact, was the first media platform for sports in Web3. LG is an OG in the space. And the good thing is that LG believes, just like Jay and I do, that Web3 is going to change the world. And that's why we're here to guide the world's top talent down the rabbit hole as you contribute and capitalize on the opportunity. We've got a good show today, a great show today, actually. Today, we are going to be talking about, is Bitcoin going to a million dollars in the next 90 days? And is Arbitrum also going to go to a million dollars? I'm on team, I hope <laughs>
1: <laughs> nobody's saying that nobody's saying arbitrum's going to that like well, i, like I mean, you yeah. snuck that in there you're like i'm making a personal bet that arbitrum's yeah. going up
0: <laughs> we will talk about the airdrop though which is happening like right now i don't even get to claim my tokens because instead i'm here with all of you telling you the news we're going to talk about reddit they've announced phase three of their development in web3 and it's a pretty sweet big deal so i'm excited about that immutable and polygon Partnered to make one of the biggest splashes in Web3 gaming history. And you know what? We just have so much more. There's going to be a lot to talk about today. But let's start with gratitude as we usually do. LG, what are you grateful for today?
1: Oh, man. Like, that's the first thing I get to say on the show is what I'm grateful for. That's such a loaded question. It's such a hard thing to answer. Okay, you can you know what? for us then. I'll, no, I'll just go right into it. You know what, Kyle? I'm grateful for you. And I don't mean that in a cheesy way. I'm just grateful to have met you and to have known Jay from prior to Web3. And, you know, this industry is, is helping us reconnect to different people across the world and reconnect with old friends as well. And I've had a lot of different careers, a lot of different industries, and in no way have I ever met as many people as I have in right. Web3. For better, for worse, bearable or whatever it is, working with the community and, and meeting new people every day is something that was really hard to get anywhere else. So I'm grateful for that.
0: And I second that. I think networking in this space is just unbelievable. You can't
1: you steal mine. People. People. I'm not. I got my own gratitude. Don't just worry. Just to make up your own. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I have one. It's not as like nice and like thoughtful as <laughs> yours. But my gratitude today is if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm wearing new glasses. Well, just glasses. i never wore glasses on here before. And that's because I have glasses. I don't really wear them all that often, though, because my eyesight's not that bad. But I lost them a couple weeks ago. And so like trying to watch TV or like trying to do certain things like driving doesn't go so well when you don't have glasses on. Anyway, I got a new pair. They came in yesterday and they're also blue light blocking, which pumps me up. So I'm feeling very grateful for my new glasses, my new swag.
1: Nice. All right. That's awesome. Good for you. I'm happy for you. And I'm happy that you can see me clearly during yeah. the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, do I look different than I did last time we did the show? Do I look? Do I, do I, you look HD. Look, you look much better way older. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine.
0: Okay. Before we get into the session, couple announcements. One, this podcast, the flow of this podcast is actually going to be changing just a little bit. Don't worry. Nothing too crazy here. We typically have interviews on Monday for the podcast. Instead, we are changing up that episode and we are doing something called Web3 Debates, which is just a session with Jay and I, where we talk about specific topics, which usually come up here in the roll-up, where we say we want to debate about them, or we want to talk further on them, but we don't have time in this roll-up so what we're doing is on mondays we're going to be recording and talking further about different things we have one coming up next monday about the whole thing going on with doodles and what rights nft holders should have so that's the first one but we'll do many different ones and that will come out on tuesdays now instead of mondays so just keep an eye on that that's the only update i really wanted to share there otherwise though and also that comes from we put some surveys out from all of you and you guys said you wanted more shorter content. So that content is going to be like 20 to 30 minutes. So hopefully you guys like that. If not, feel free to let us know. Feel free to rip it apart and we'll switch it up again. But we're trying. We're over here just trying things, you know. And you know what, LG, maybe we'll get you on one day to debate because the point is we want to get fired up. We really want to get
1: fired up and debate topics. So I love a good rumble, man. (laughs) Don't shy away from the rumble. Some of our most, you know, listened to podcast episodes ever are when there's like some kind of crazy rumble between two guests. So I love it.
0: Yeah, I always try to get Jay all worked up, but Jay's too nice, you know, he doesn't really get worked (laughs) up. (laughs) He's too zen.
1: Before we get into the
0: topics today, let's take a quick second to hear from our sponsors. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they're tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we've partnered with Lens, to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. I just realized that for that intro, I wasn't supposed to be sharing screen. It was supposed to be you and I, much bigger LG. So you can see that things just fall apart when Jay's not here, but I'm doing my best. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's okay, man. I love staring at this chart, this Bellagi chart. Man. Like we all hope to see that someday. I don't know if it's going to be in the next 90 days, but I love to see this chart come back. We got our mind focused there.
0: Very true. So let's talk about what this is. If you guys have been on Twitter over the last, I don't know, maybe two weeks now, I think this has been a thing. Well, here you go. March 17th. It's not even, wow, it's been one week. 84 days left, man. June
1: 15th <laughs> is, the, is the D-Day for this.
0: Is that what it is? Okay. So what's happened here is Balaji, who is a very well-known crypto advocate, but also just like technologist and just, I don't even know what to say who he is. He's a philosopher. He's kind of a bit of everything.
1: Rich guy with too much time on his hands is the <laughs> yeah. other way to, so a different he's... side of the coin. You get Zen J usually on the show, you got like <laughs> aggressive LG here today to give I you like the, the other side of the coin on certain topics.
0: <laughs> right. Very, very smart guy though, written some really good books. He also was one of the first people ringing the alarm, sounding the alarm about COVID. He was very much right about that. He's very smart. Anyway, he came out last week and was like sounding the alarm that the banking crisis that's happening right now is going to be very problematic and systemic to basically to the U.S. dollar. And he's saying that as a result, Bitcoin is going to go to a million dollars in the next 90 days. And he's putting a bet on it of a million dollars that he'll be right. I think it ended up doing two bets. So he's actually putting two million dollars on the line for this to happen. Pretty wild. And so obviously, media's is taking it up like crazy. Twitter, this thing went viral. There's a lot of people saying he's just doing this as like a marketing campaign. It's a way for him to make some extra money. You know, if Bitcoin just goes up a little bit as a result, he makes money. And so there's a lot of people saying he's doing this in bad faith. And so what I want to do is just real quick, give a bit of context into why he's saying this. And then LG and I will share our opinions and where we think this is going. Although LG already said something's going to happen in 90 days, so he already blew I didn't it. I to say that.
1: I just say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so basically what Balaji's saying is that, and he has a lot of data to support this. I had to give a little bit of background on this is Basically, in 2020 and 2021, we printed a shit ton of money, right? And we gave that money to people. Plus, we gave a lot of money in investment into technology and just basically every company that exists. And so a lot of them, people and companies, put that money into their local banks. And they did this when interest rates were at around like 1% or less. They were pretty much zero, actually. And so those banks had the most deposits they've ever had in history. And they went and invested them in government bonds at 1%. And then all of a sudden, the Fed rugged all these banks by increasing and jacking up interest rates like five percent, putting all those investments of the banks underwater, right? So when all of a sudden everyone started to realize this, they said, "Okay, I got to take my money out of the bank because I don't want to be the last one here with with no money left." So when they did that, that's what happened with SVB and Signature and all these other banks, and it's becoming a systemic risk where it's happening all over. Now, as a result, the government has said, "Okay, we're going to backstop it. We're going to print money. We're going to give." essentially a limited liquidity to make sure all these banks have the money that they say. And so this obviously is quite problematic. And what Balaji is saying is that he doesn't think Bitcoin is going to a million dollars because of like Bitcoin doing really well. He thinks that the US dollar is going to hyperinflate. And as a result, Bitcoin will be a million dollars as a result of that. So he's got a lot of takes on this of like why it's going to happen. The reason why he says 90 days is because Throughout all this turmoil that's happened over the last two weeks, the Fed also announced that in July, they're launching this new kind of like a CBDC called FedNow. And what Balaji believes is gonna happen here is that all the low and mid-sized banks are basically gonna go bust, just like we've seen happening over the last couple of days. And the four big banks in the US will essentially buy them up. And those four banks will be basically controlled by the Fed. And if you want to access your money, you're gonna need to use this FedNow token, coin, whatever we're gonna call this thing, and essentially, you won't be able to leave the system anymore. And so they're going to be able to just print a limited amount of money, but you're stuck in the US dollar system through this Now coin. You won't be able to move it out into other assets and they'll control what you do with your money. It's a bit far-fetched. Here's my opinion. Actually, anything you want to add in the context of this LG first?
1: No, I thought you did a great job. But Let's hear how, what you think about it.
0: <laughs> so first, thank you, by the way. First of all, I would say directionally, he's right in where this is going. I think the end goal here is for the US to get more control over the US dollar. Of course, they're going to print more money. They always have. I think what they're about to do for banks is going to print more money than they ever have, which is crazy considering how much they printed for COVID. So like directionally, he's right. Does it happen in 90 days? I think absolutely not. The reason I say that is there's no way that Fed now launches in July and it's like actually launches to everyone. It's going to be a pilot or a test. No one will even notice it for the first little bit. Like I think it's still years away from that happening, though I do think the Fed is about to print a shit ton of money, which is going to probably send us to a nice little bull market, which if you're a pro member, you're going to get a bunch of stuff on that. So make sure you go pro. Uh, (laughs) I don't think that this happens in 90 days, but I do think that this happens at some point in the future. That's all I would say there on Bitcoin. That's my take. I don't know. Anything you want to add to that? What do you think, LG?
1: I've got a few different thoughts. One, I'll say that what preceded his bet to me was really fascinating, right? Because you had that Friday that not even two weeks ago where USDC depegged, right? And that was when SVP, SVB was going down. And it was like, that was pure chaos, man. Like USDC is never supposed to depeg. And it went down to 85 cents. and That was like almost cataclysmic for the space, right? And... For a long time now, since early 2021, Bitcoin and Ethereum as like the two mainstays of the space have been tied to the rest of the market, which was silly for a long time. The whole point of these currencies, especially Bitcoin, is that it's not supposed to be tied to the U.S. stock market. It's supposed to be separate from it. That was the whole point of it. So for a long time, it was kind of disappointing, especially this most recent bear market, where it's like we've missed the point of Bitcoin. All the institutions came and bought it up, but what happens? After that SVB purchase, I think, or that crazy weekend where everything went down, is on the opening Monday, banks went down and Bitcoin went up. And it was the first time in a really long time that the bet of Bitcoin was actually paying off. It's like people are using Bitcoin for what it's designed for a hedge against the US government and its terrible mismanagement of its currency. That was pretty significant to me. And then the Fed took on an extra $300 billion onto its balance sheet to be prepared to backstop the banks. And Bitcoin continued to moon. It went up 50% that week and still sitting around there. So the larger context here is that like He's betting on a million dollars, not just on this like doomsday scenario of the US dollar is going to hyperinflate. Everybody be careful. I think at some point he mentioned like civil war is coming, you know, one of the that kind of rhetoric, but also the fact that it's like, hey, Bitcoin is finally doing what it's supposed to do, even after all this adoption we've seen the last two or three years. So I thought that that was really significant for somebody to put it out there on the more, I guess, pragmatic side. Listen. If I gave you a million dollars and told you as a PR strategist to go get me as much attention as this guy has gotten for this bet to get me on every major outlet, every major podcast, to have every other podcast like this one talking about it, that would that is worth so much more than a million dollars. What is it doing for him? I don't know if he's marketing anything. Some of these types of people that especially you see them in crypto, they just like being the center of attention for a little bit and doing kind of silly, crazy things. So I think this is also an example of that. I think it's a double whammy for him for one it is something he believes, and two, I think he kind of likes the attention that he's getting from it.
0: I can see that. I think in all fairness, though, in terms of this like million dollar Bitcoin, you can, you can see the chart that we have up on the screen of his. It's just yep. like he says a straight line up for Bitcoin. It is <laughs> is what works when countries do hyperinflate. Like this happened with mm-hmm. Venezuela, with Zimbabwe. When you do hyperinflate a currency, it happens really fast. And the example he gives is like with SBF and FTX, really funny the comparisons here, is Basically, they gave away the money, right? They didn't have the money of the depositors, which is the same thing that's happening with these banks. And they did a bunch of accounting magic to make it look like they did. And then once finally, everyone realized that they didn't have the money. He tweets out and says, hey, the assets are safe. And then the next day, it's like, boom, and it's done. And they're shut down. and He's in jail. And it's like a day later. Like, it happens fast. This is how it works. And it's basically what's happening with these banks, too. It's like, it's not that they're slowly going to zero. It's just boom, it's done. He does bring some good comparisons because the U.S. government right now say that the banks are fine and the money's all there and it's like, we know it's not. It's a wild scenario that's happening right now. Is he taking some of this for marketing? Probably. But what he's saying is like, if the U.S. dollar does hyperinflate, everything is fucked, right? Like your stocks, they're all fucked. Your bot, like all all this stuff is done. Whenever you're investing in it, if it is catered to the U.S. dollar, it's all gone. It's all a mess. And so like Bitcoin is your like safe haven to get out of it. So is Maybe real estate and then like gold, but I don't know. I'm not a boomer. I don't give a shit about gold.
1: You don't have any gold bars stored like buried in the forest in a secret location or anything like that? <laughs> I, You're not a prepper? You don't I have like know. a secret compound or anything like that with rations for the next six years?
0: Not at all. Not at like, all. When COVID happened, I was in Mexico and I just stayed in Mexico and chilled dad. out and it was a great time. <laughs> I had no crap again whatsoever. Oh, so anyway, the key thing is, is, look, what I think he's doing is taking advantage of an opportunity to really promote bitcoin i don't think he's promoting himself but i don't think he really cares much about that because look this is going to happen at some point point. and for those who are have zero coins and i mean bitcoin eth whatever they are going to be in a very dark place right just like many people that happen in venezuela and zimbabwe and other places around the world so even if you just have a little which is his goal here is to get people to start to move some over it's going to save you at some point whether that's in 90 days my bet is no Arbitrum is going to do better over the next 90 days than Bitcoin. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> the Arbitrum, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's see. What is the price of Arbitrum? Well, we're here. Oh, here it goes
1: again. It's just yeah. like, oh, Buck, we're, we're up two up. cents. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't just cut out a portion of this segment to have you go and trade in your Arbitrum. I don't know why we didn't just do that. That's work. People want to see you go and navigate the Arbitrum ecosystem and oh. you know cash in your sweet airdrop. I think that that's like a big part of it. We're gonna get there at the end. Maybe I will
0: bring it up, and maybe I'll claim right rate, rate live. We'll see.
1: We'll see if it I think claim and then go order something totally outlandish on Amazon all in the same segment. <laughs> like something just totally berserk. Okay, but you have to choose what I find. Get, get your prepper kit. Go on Amazon and get your prepper kit for end yeah, of the yeah, world. Go you know, with your airdrop, it's perfect.
0: All right, so big news was so here announced yesterday. You can see up on the screen here, we have the CEO of Reddit, Steve Huffman. I didn't know that was the CEO, but I just found that out. But anyway, he was at Paris Blockchain Week. I think it was yesterday, maybe two days ago, March 22nd. First of all, he went through the story of kind of Reddit and Web3 and what they've been doing. If you get a chance to watch this video, I think it's on YouTube, it's really, really good. His kind of mindset of Web3, why Reddit entered it, how they entered it is incredible. I'm not gonna go into that because we've talked a lot about that in the past, but basically, they have announced phase three. So what's next for Reddit? They now have over 10 million avatars that have been minted. I think over 8 million unique wallets that have, have been a part of this on Reddit specifically. And these people are collecting NFTs that are customizable. They can change the shoes and the shirt and the clothes and the helmet and whatever else you want. And it's pretty cool. people are wearing them. There's communities around them, which we'll talk about in just a second. And so we have all these NFTs, Except other than like customizing, they can't really do much with them. If you want to trade them or give them to someone else, you actually have to send it out of the Reddit ecosystem and put it up on OpenSea or whatever else, Magic Eden. Well, what Reddit is doing now is they're actually launching a public marketplace. And this will be a marketplace which is directly inside Reddit. It won't feel like or look like an NFT marketplace like that of OpenSea. I'm not even sure if you'll be able to put other assets on it other than Reddit avatars. I don't know. That'll be interesting. Basically what this is though is a community-based marketplace. It's going to be one that allows you to trade or buy or sell your existing Reddit NFTs, but do it in a way where it's not like has all the craziness of OpenSea or like blur of all these trading things and charts and all that kind of stuff. It's just a means of swapping and trading and buying and doing whatever you need specifically with these Reddit avatars. So You'll be able to have functionalities and features which are specific to these avatars. You'll be able to use your Reddit wallet, which you already have, and it'll be all done with using, I think you can use USD, although if Bitcoin goes to a million in 90 days, you probably won't want to do that, which I'm sure they'll make a change. But anyway, it'll be a very Web2-like interface. They said it won't even mention the word NFT. So it'll just be a means of changing and swapping around your avatars, which is going to be really, really cool to open up this whole ecosystem that Reddit is currently building inside of the Reddit platform. The other really interesting thing about this that I'll give you, and then LG, I'll throw it over to you, is just last week, we saw that Reddit is also playing around with token-gated communities. And when I say token-gated, that's with these NFTs, the avatars. And so what they've done is people who are just chilling on Reddit, doing their thing, who have one of these avatars, all of a sudden they're getting messages saying, hey, that avatar that you have, there is a private community that you can join. And so if you have that avatar in the specific avatar, let's say it's the Super Bowl one, You can go and join a private community with just other Super Bowl and football fanatics, right? And so, again, this is why a marketplace is needed because if I'm a football fan, I didn't mint one of those NFTs, but I want to be part of that subreddit. Well, now I got to go get one. How can I do that? Well, I can go buy one on this new marketplace. So, it's going to create some really, really cool dynamics on the Reddit platform. And it's doing it at a massive number, right? Like Reddit, as I said, 8 million wallets. OpenSea doesn't even have that, not even close. So, This is a a really, really big deal when this all comes together. And I don't know when it's launching, but it's coming and it's coming soon. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Reddit is writing the brand playbook here to a T. Like this is they're meeting, their fans and new potential collectors where they are. They're not trying to sell them on being like, here's the vision of Web3. These are NFTs. Like none of that stuff. They're like, listen, just you like you open your Reddit every day, just go click in the top corner and then claim your funny little character that looks like all other Reddit avatars that already exist and it's a digital collectible. And then those people hear noise that it's like, oh, some of these are actually trading, but I like mine. That was the most important part of this whole Reddit adoption thing is you had people posting on Reddit being like, I know these are NFTs, but I'm a big Redditor and I love these. And Reddit has clearly taken that and run with it. They've got the confidence now. They've got the backing of their community to keep rolling all of this out reddit has 52 million daily active users 430 million monthly users this is not a small and irrelevant platform it's been the front page of the internet for over 15 years now and steve is actually one of the co-founders who was at one point left the company and then after he and alexis sold it and then regretted selling it and came back after they removed their last ceo and he's run it from like making like two million dollars a year to like five hundred million dollars a year in ads. It's some like astronomical numbers. So he has been uh, you know, CEO that the shareholders are very happy with and that basically like is leading them into this new era, doing it in the really frictionless way, Kyle. Like this is something that like, Redditors are enjoying. And it's like, you talk about the hardest people satisfy on the internet, like Reddit is- at. <laughs> he,
0: he did say, actually in this yeah. little talk here, he said for about the first week or two, they got a bunch of pushback from the Redditors. And because it was NFTs, something like, they found out it was NFTs. But then he said after about 14 days or maybe he said 30 days, I'm not sure if he goes, all of a sudden everything changed. Because everyone realized they could customize these things and play around with them. And also, they were all free to mint most of them. And then the other ones were only 10 to to $100. So, like, they didn't charge these thousands of dollars or whatever. And plus, the creators made, like, now the creators have made a total of over a million dollars, the ones that made these avatars. So, he said, all of a sudden, when people realized, oh, this is actually just really cool and fun, people really started to enjoy it. And he's like, the whole idea of it, the whole mindset around it completely changed. And now everyone's really, really loving it. And you know, they just keep launching new collections weekly basically, and they always mint out. People are all over them. And so he's like, it's become a really cool experience. And he's excited to like, give more to that, right? Just build mm-hmm. more, and do so much more with it. So they just done it in such an amazing way.
1: Here's my hot take Kyle, especially on the marketplace part. And then I have a few more things to say about the token gated aspect is okay. one thing, if you listen to this, the same talk, he says he wants anybody to be able to make and sell nfts on Reddit or digital collectibles whatever he refers to them at which to me is really important because not just a marketplace for the free claimables is that over time they want people that are already redditors to make their own nfts to to create their own little commerce in there so i think that that's really cool they want to enable creators people that aren't even creators yet to go and put themselves out there and to monetize themselves on the platform very similar to other social media platforms like tiktok and everything else where it's like you can come and monetize but they're going to be the first ones to do it. nfts and i think that what that's going to do kyle is that I think Reddit could easily, if not already almost become the largest NFT marketplace overnight, Mm. they got to 8 million wallets. That's every other platforms dream. All these companies in web three that billions of funding to go and get mass adoption, Reddit did in a couple months, just like that. So I think it's like overnight, this could easily become the biggest marketplace that exists. And I don't know what that's going to mean for the space, but again, Writing the brand playbook, man, <laughs> like this could easily change how things are done in the space and how big web companies, tech companies approach it.
0: Do you think when they launch this marketplace, does all of a sudden a bunch of Redditors turn into the gens like we have in typical <laughs> Web3 world and all of a sudden volumes go crazy on Reddit and these things are going up because right now they're not going up a lot in price because like you got to send them off Reddit. You got to have another MetaMask wallet, which most of them don't even know about. Then you got to put on open and it's like, that's all a pain. When Reddit makes the seamless, I mean, my thing is humans are just naturally greedy as fuck. You know what I mean? Like that's who we are. So like the moment all these people go, oh, wait, I can just click a button and I can sell this thing for, I don't know, you know, more than I bought it for. I hope that's not where it goes. But what do you think?
1: There's a degen in everybody. (laughs) I say that. I'll (laughs) say there's a degen in everybody. And again, Redditors are some of the most vicious scrutinizers on the internet. And the fact that they've been turned and come on to this to me is incredibly... Bullish sign, right? And for a long time, you had this narrative that like gamers and Redditors and all that kind of stuff, they hate NFTs. And I think that that is totally untrue. I think on the surface, anytime a group of people come to you and they tell you, you got to do this, you got to do this, the best thing ever, most people have this like averse reaction. You're like, you know what, cool it. I actually kind of don't like it now because you're so aggressive about it. That's what happened with NFTs and like gamer Reddit crowd. But I think that secretly, deep down inside, everybody who's like, NFTs are stupid has this curiosity, this kind of perverse curiosity of like, you know what, but I secretly want to have NFTs. I think that that exists. And I think that that's what's happening with Reddit is like secretly a lot of those people, they do want NFTs. Some of them, they do want to make some of that ape money. My question for for anybody who's going to dabble there is like when that launches, who's going to be the apes of Reddit? I think that that's totally something you could be Mm. thinking about. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. Because already people are going to be like, let's make apes. Like, no, no, no. They want their own thing. But what is that going to be? What's going to be the premium collection? Whatever it is, I hope it's not a freaking monkey. I hope
0: it's not (laughs) anything to do with an ape or not even an animal. What do you think? No animal? I'm sick of the animals. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just sick of it. Not that I don't (laughs) like some of them. Like, pudgy penguins are cool. It's just weird. I mean, that's the internet.
1: If this becomes something where redditors can create and launch smart contracts on their own on polygon on reddit whoever goes out there and makes punks is definitely going to be the collection oh, that moves. it is that's be what fun, i'll tell you it was it? same thing on ordinals for bitcoin yeah, and it's gonna be the right. same thing on reddit Same thing kind of across a lot of other ecosystems.
0: Well, yeah, when Arbitrum launched, I think everyone did it. Every time a new ecosystem comes in, someone makes a punk version. Next up, let's move on. You did talk about gaming a little bit. So let's talk about one of the biggest things happening in gaming right now, at least in Web3 Gaming. LG, I'll let you take the floor. What's going on here?
1: This is interesting because since Reddit is on Polygon, I think we have to give, first of all, a huge shout out to Polygon's biz dev team because they have spent the last like year or two just bringing every single massive brand nike reddit starbucks did they've got an incubator at disney polygon is building itself up at to be a giant but something that was actually kind of surprising this week as a scaling solution is that they announced that they are going to work with immutable x to help them essentially scale so what immutable is going to do is they are going to essentially power a part of polygons like zero knowledge tech to help like simplify the part where game studios and developers start using like web three to develop, games so this is basically to provide some of those businesses with like an option to like accelerate their like time to market right because building in web 3 building quickly and agile is the name of the game we're in the bear market right now so things seem slow it seems like you have all the time in the world to build but listen you're trying to build games trying to build something like a triple a game which takes years and you're trying to build it with crypto there's very little knowledge out there as to how to do that and even fewer solutions to actually just kind of pick it up and build it Kyle, if you think about it, like some of the biggest games in the world have been built by small teams of devs, right? Like mm-hmm. Fortnite, Angry Birds, like these weren't big game studios. These were like a couple dudes in their basement being like, let's build our own game. And what these types of companies want, both Polygon and Immutable, they want some of those startups to come and build on their platforms. So the problem is, is that Polygon was not really set up to do it on their own for developers to build it quickly. So that's pretty much the gist of it. And it's something that I think for me is if you take a step back, these are two what seem to be competitors. These are the scaling solutions, right? And that's the big war right now of like, who are all these studios going to use? Who is everyone going to use to come and build because you can't build on mainnet on Ethereum. You need to be able to use one of the scaling solutions. The fact that they're partnering up to me is not only incredibly smart, but incredibly progressive thinking. Blockchain right. Web three is all about collaboration, decentralization. So the fact that they're coming together two different layer twos coming together to enable creators to come and build. I think that that is so significant, even in your guys's tweet in the Web3 Academy tweet saying that like Web2 has taught us that competitors cannot cooperate. Web3 shifts that mindset that is so well said that it's like that's basically what's happening here is very early on. You have two massive companies, incredibly well funded, right? That are both built to be these huge unicorns, pillars of the space very earlier. Like, hey, we're going to team up. We're going to team up put differences aside. There are no differences. We just want people to come and build games on blockchain well, that's what they've done
0: and immutable has built probably the best gaming platform right they have all the things so they've built some amazing marketplaces with liquidity that can be shared amongst games they have this like new passport wallet that makes it so seamless for gamers really they have built kind of like the best development grounds and playing grounds for gaming They've had over a billion dollars in investment in their games just in 2022, right? They went from five games being built on Mutable to over 150 last year. Five in 2021, 150 plus in 2022. It's crazy. Polygon, the other big one, they took Ryan Watt from YouTube. Now he's CEO over at Polygon. And so they're obviously doing big things in the gaming world now. They've also had over a billion dollars invested in their type of games that are being built on their platforms. But again, Polygon didn't have all the gaming stuff and like the setup that Immutable had. Immutable didn't have the ability to have smart contracts everywhere on top of their platform because they built a different style of ZK. So by combining, they just make the perfect technology that the biggest brands in the world can use like this. It's just a no-brainer to go on there now. They don't even have to think about where they should build because many of them do want to be using NFTs in crypto. They just, like as LG said, it's just not so easy. Now it is. So it's a really big deal. The final really cool thing about this that isn't really possible in Web2 to do a partnership like this, to join tech together. One, like usually tech is closed in the Web2 world. This is open, so it's easy for them to do. But in terms of partnership, like financially, what they can do here is really interesting. So instead of like, I don't know, trying to figure out how to swap shares or equity of a company or, you know, how to figure out how to split the revenues that are made or whatever they would do in the Web2 world, it's very simple here. What they've done is to get security for the ZKEVM, you use MATIC, that's Polygon's native token. To transact on the AVM, use IMX, that's Immutable's native token. And so now you have utility for both of the tokens, composability, I guess what you would call this, put them together, mash them together, and you need both to use this sort of platform to secure it and to interact on it. And so it's a benefit to both, whether you're a holder, whether you're the business, and that is just really, really cool. And to combine these two business dev teams, I mean, we always talk about how Web3 gaming is coming and it's going to be this big thing. And I know we're doing it again. I was hoping this partnership was going to be immutable because they announced this for like a week they were they were kind of leading up to it i was hoping it's gonna be like i don't know playstation or like something cool like that it wasn't but ultimately this is the step we needed to really onboard the biggest games in the world and so i think it's going to happen and actually There's another cool announcement with Sony that came up recently. LG, you want to talk about that?
1: Absolutely. And just really quick to touch on that point of, you know, these two kind of native Web3 companies working together. And before we talk about Sony, I think it's important to note that it's like Web2 gaming had nothing to do with traditional platform gaming in the end, you know what I mean? Like companies like Zynga, like Farmville on Facebook and stuff like that. They didn't need Nintendo and the Sonys and the Xboxes. That was completely unrelated. And today, mobile games, all those types of like mini games, like I don't know, whatever, you know, you see people playing this on the bus, like Bejeweled and stuff like that. That has hundreds of millions of users every single day and they never needed any of the Super Mario's or any of that kind of stuff to be part of it. So I think it, when you're talking web 3 gaming, it's like, you know, when is Call of Duty gonna use NFTs? And it's right. like, that may be like, if they're smart, they're gonna do that. But we're really gonna see happen here with this type of partnership, these types of funds that they're launching is, you're gonna see an Angry Birds be built in blockchain. You're gonna see a Fortnite mm. be built in blockchain, whatever that's gonna, be Farmville. You don't know what that's gonna be, but that's basically where it's gonna come from is like small indie developers with fantastic ideas coming to build here. So if you're sitting around waiting for Grand Theft Auto or, uh, you know, the next Zelda to be built on blockchain, like maybe, but their fans might hate it. But dude, let's talk about Sony. So Sony has filed patent for NFT transfers between games. Basically, this week, they filed a patent for non-fungible tokens or NFTs to be transferred between their games and consoles, which is a huge part of the interoperability of Web3 ecosystem. Basically, they want to let people transfer in-game assets between VR headsets, between tablets, between computers, smartphones, from different generations. Anybody who's ever held a console, you know how it can be frustrating that you can't play Mm. PS2 games on a PS4 or whatever that is. And you definitely, I'm assuming this is only in the Sony ecosystem, but the one thing you absolutely cannot do is play a Nintendo game on a Sony PlayStation. But maybe this is the beginning of that change. So basically, they're filing a patent to let people claim NFTs in games. The patent also shows that users won't be able to claim that NFT more than once. So they've kind of already created this patent for the blueprint of how NFTs would work in game in terms of claiming because they're going to be worth something. So it's very important to not let the users repeat a level or a mission 20 times over to get 20 of the same NFT. They've actually been testing blockchain-based products and developing different little partnerships to start to grow into Web3. And this is probably getting some pushback from all the traditional Sony, PlayStation, and other console uh, gamers, but clearly a significant step forward and great to see that they are essentially trying to live up to some of the standards of Web3, which is, again, that interoperability, letting people get the assets and go and do other things with them off-platform or across other consoles or whatever. A huge step in the right direction. I haven't followed Sony closely enough the last couple of years other than just the PlayStation releases. So, Kyle, I don't know if you're a gamer. You know a little bit more about Sony, but we'd love to hear your thoughts there on a pretty big traditional media company taking a step forward here.
0: I mean, I used to play PlayStation a lot when I was younger. I don't anymore, so I, I don't follow it too, too much. I think the only funny thing of this is like, why do they need the patent? I thought we were done with patents. I guess. <laughs> you don't need a patent to build on a public blockchain. That only makes sense when it's in a closed off, you know, database or something. You don't really need a patent here, whatever. It's newsworthy and it's great to see that. At least they're thinking about it and they're doing things. Wait, um, wait, wait, patent. before
1: you talk about Microsoft, what did you play on PlayStation back in the day? What was your game?
0: Oh, Good question. I played Call of Duty. Call of Duty was my my biggest game, but I actually had Xbox for a bit as well, and I got really into Halo. So I played Halo for a while, and then Call of Duty was the big one, and then obviously like GTA.
1: Mm-hmm. I think everyone played GTA for a bit there. Mm-hmm. I sense a theme here for Kyle. What's that? <laughs> First person shooters. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, actually, I used to play NHL and FIFA a lot too. Hey, there we go. There you go. Yeah. Hey, sports, man. You're talking my world now, right? Yeah, I want to talk yeah, about sports. Sports it, games. You know. So that's a big thing. So winter sports games going to kind of land in this space, right? So I almost, see. I almost dropped out of college because I
0: played NHL way too much every single day. I just played instead of going to school. <laughs> which specific year? Which specific oh, year? God. That would have been like 2000. Sorry to age you. Oh yeah, eight or 2009, maybe. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> Microsoft Edge, which honestly, I just learned what that was yesterday. So maybe it's better that you talk about this, LG. I'm not quite sure. But Microsoft Edge is a browser, Microsoft browser. I think it's the it's a transformed Internet Explorer, which I do remember that because I definitely was on the Internet back then. Now I don't use Microsoft products so much. But Microsoft Edge is testing a built in Ethereum crypto wallet, which is pretty cool. We just had Carlos from Brave on our podcast talking about wallets that are native to a browser and kind of the benefits to that. If You haven't listened to that podcast yet. I recommend you go check that one out, it came out last Monday, and so Microsoft's looking to do the same thing. Now, I don't know when they're going to launch or if they're going to launch, but if they did, it's a pretty big deal, is what we figured out. Because Microsoft Edge has what about five or six percent of the total
1: market, I believe, in terms of browsers 232 million users.
0: Wow! So, if they launched this, 232 million people would all get a wallet at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty cool. I mean, Brave, which we talked about. They have 60 million, right? 60 million users now. Not all of them actually have activated their wallet and use it. And I'm sure the same would happen here with Microsoft Edge. But again, whenever that use case happens, whenever that thing occurs where that big game launches or Reddit or whatever, that thing where everyone's like, I have to use Web3, they're going to use a wallet. And that's when they'll just go, boom, it's already in my browser, activated, perfect, right? It's kind of like AI right now. It's just going absolutely bonkers. And everyone's just like, I have to use it. I have to use Chat GPT. And 100 million people signed up within like two months, basically, right? it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy adoption, but it's because that thing made our lives so much better. We're still waiting for that for Web3. That specifically because there are people around the world that like needed Bitcoin or needed, you know, DeFi because like they just don't have access to that stuff and their currencies are hyperinflating. So, like, that's happened to them. And that's why I've seen such great adoption over the last 10 years. But for like mainstream, especially in the Western world, like, We don't really need to have, well, we didn't really need to, you know, hedge our currencies. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But we're still waiting for that big, big moment. When it does, you know, Microsoft and Brave and I think um, Opera's already doing this. They're going to be there going, hey, the wallet's right there in your browser. Just click a button and away you go.
1: That's right. And to zoom out, and this is kind of more my like general take on wallets and identity is that, you know, one thing that we don't give credit to web 2 social media for is that it's become the main way that we log into websites, right? Like that's become our main layer of authenticity. Like, sure, you can have a password manager and remember 10 million different passwords or whatever, or you can just use your Facebook every time you go to a website to log in. And that became such an important part of streamlining the Internet and streamlining your identity. And of course, Facebook does whatever with your data, which is not maybe not the greatest thing, but I think that the next step of all that is logging into things with your wallet. Right? Like when I go to a website in Web3 and it says log in with your MetaMask, I'm like, great. I don't want to use my email. I want to just use my MetaMask. I want the site to know what I own. I don't want it to know who I am. Right. And there's a right. subtle difference there. And I think that hopefully this starts to enable that. Right. Like that these big companies, you know, I know you don't know much about Edge, but hey, 230 million users. That's a lot. It's great to see that they're starting to think about this. And Kyle, don't forget, Microsoft also owns LinkedIn and GitHub and Activision. Microsoft has spent the last decade buying Massive, massive companies. And open AI. Um, and Open AI. That's right. And are they are a huge stake in it. I don't think they own the whole yeah. thing outright. Right. Huge stake in it. Um, Right. So they own not only like the past of the internet, but the future as well. So Edge is maybe a safe place for them to start to experiment with this as being like not their flagship product, but they've got a lot of other big flagship products and a lot of other great stuff that they own that they might want to roll this out to in the future. So maybe Edge is just the test case. Test. Is
0: Microsoft also on Bing.
1: Yes, I think they so. do? A browser, yeah. an annoying it's browser that so takes over your Chrome sometimes. Yeah. That sweet. Well, I mean, or, yeah.
0: They now have a <laughs> chat GPT in there. So they're doing something. Oh, there. do they? I didn't notice yeah. that. Yeah. It's good to know. <laughs> okay. So, our last big news of yeah. the show here, and we'll we'll do this one pretty quick. Look at the ad I'm getting, Arbitrum Week. It's Salesforce announces new Web3 platform. So this isn't like really gonna do anything for adoption per se right now, but basically what this is, is the ability to integrate web three data into the existing CRM of Salesforce already. So Salesforce is a CRM that basically every single big company uses in the world. And it allows you to understand your customers, right? Uh, It allows you to do automation with your customers and communicate with your customers, do so much. And of course, web three, it allows you to take data and make sense of that data. And Web3 is a huge, massive honeypot of data, right? Just like you said, LG, a second ago, it's data of the things that you own, right? Not necessarily who you are, but the things that you own. And you can start to make assumptions of who they are as a result of that. But it's the data of the communities they're a part of. It's the data of the tickets that they've purchased, the events they've gone to, the credentials that they have, et cetera, et cetera. And so Salesforce is essentially giving companies the ability to look into that data and make decisions based off it. And it also allows you to create, they call it digital collections, basically NFTs. So you can create a smart contract and deploy it right inside of Salesforce, which you may want to do to, I don't know, give people like a POAP type NFT that because they attended an event of yours, they bought something that you sold or whatever you want to do. Essentially, you can think of it as like a cookie, right? It's like a tag on that person to go, hey, you took this action. I want to make sure that that's on chain so that I always know that. So it's a big deal for things like Reddit when they have eight million wallets, they probably want to know what the hell's going on with those wallets and who these people are. They might use something like Salesforce. Microsoft Edge, who's about to have three or 200 and whatever million wallets, they might want to know what the heck's going on in these wallets and what these people are doing. Well, they'll probably use Salesforce for that. So it is a tool that's going to enable these big companies to start making sense of all the data they're about to have from Web3. So it's just another piece to the puzzle that we need for this thing to really turn into what we want it to turn into this like big mainstream part of the internet. So it's a big deal. I think it also introduces a lot of big companies into Web3 and like make them see like, hey, this thing's coming. It's time I start thinking about this and building my strategy. So pretty cool to see that as well.
1: I have no comments. I think that's cool. I'm curious to see how it works. I hope they have a good service agency set up to help their clients navigate that because just giving them the tools to all these massive institutional clients, that's one part of the process, but you're also going to need to help them do it. That's kind of my only comment there, but very cool to see, again, some of the biggest tech companies in the world are getting involved in the middle of the bear market. That's a very bullish sign.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So before we get into the NFT of the month and a couple quick hits, one of those being Arbitrum, which I can't wait to go and check what the price is now. What's <laughs> up. It's up. up. Right. We got to take a quick second to hear from our sponsor. Shared ownership is revolutionizing the way we think of digital ownership. Did you know that you can benefit from the utility of a Bored Ape Yacht Club, CryptoPunk, or Azuki without actually spending tens of thousands of dollars to buy it? How? By buying an access key to the asset. You see, with Segment, you can now buy and hold parts of an expensive NFT and share in its ownership and utility, like airdrops or exclusive access. As an owner of a high-profile NFT, you can distribute ownership with access keys and create liquidity for yourself. It's a way win situation plus the ownership and transfer of these keys are managed on chain which ensures transparency and security and we want the web 3 academy community to be on the forefront of this new wave of nft utility which is why we partner with segment a non-custodial nft platform set to launch in q3 of this year segment aims to allow users to easily create access keys and share ownership of nfts with other friends and community members. The team is going through their beta release soon and has opened up their waitlist for Web3 Academy listeners. If you wanna stay in the forefront of Web3, sign up for Segment's waitlist today with the link in the show notes below. Shared ownership is a game changer and we want you to be there first. Oh, gee, I saw your head banging on that one.
1: I like the music, man. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I also found some good prepper kits like Doomsday kits for food and stuff. So, no place to spend your Arbitrum money.
0: Okay, nice, nice, nice. Okay, so we've got the NFT of the month. We had Smallverse, which is actually on Arbitrum. We had Doodles, which we've been talking a ton about. Zen Academy, who we've had Zenica on the show before, and he will actually be on in a couple of weeks again. And Meta Brew Society, which is a sweet ass NFT collection, which allows you to get beer. Who doesn't like beer? Anyway, the winner of this by a long shot, we had 453 votes in total. And I mean, Arbitrum always dominates every time we do this because the community is insane. But it was Smallverse. Smallverse won this, which is great on the big Arbitrum day. Smallverse is basically a community-driven NFT project. They're a game. It's a free mid for this game. And you basically have to like draw a picture of a monkey. Of course, we're going back to the monkey things again. I feel like Gary Vee has played it. It's a community and a really, really strong community in the TreasureDAO world, which we've had them on the podcast too. And a few cool things about Smallverse. First of all, if you go on Twitter, you'll see them everywhere. They're pretty awesome. They're a lot of fun. And they're just people vibing out, which is a great time. But they also just made a big announcement. uh, I believe it was today or yesterday, where they're actually taking their NFTs and putting them fully on chain. And so instead of the NFT being on IPFS, right, they're actually moving it to on chain, which Jay has talked about a million times about the importance of this and why we think this is cool. And so kudos to Smallverse for taking that step to move things on chain. I think it just, again, teaches their community teaches the holders about what this all means, beginning to innovate and try to do some cool things in the space. So kudos to Smallverse. You guys are killing it. I always see you guys on Twitter. Community is a big deal. And, you know, Arbitrum just always winning. Every time we put Arbitrum in our polls, they always win. Smallverse, I'm sure, is cheering big time today. You got a Smallverse?
1: No. No, I don't. I have no smalls.
0: Okay. Well, let's move into the quick hits. This is how we wrap up the show. As per usual, I will start it off, LG, for you. And the first one, which I'm pumped about, I know you are as a sports guy, LynxDAO buys the golf course, finally.
1: So basically, Linkstow is this group that sold a bunch of membership NFTs like last year. And the point was that they're like, listen, we're going to be a golf DAO. We're going to raise money from new members. And by getting a- an NFT, you are part of the club. And we're going to do a bunch of cool golf things. And they have finally fulfilled that promise. They bought the Spey Bay Golf Club in Northeastern Scotland on the Moray coastline. A beautiful, beautiful golf course. And, you know, the heartland of golf, really, in Scotland. like One of the best places you could ever do it. They bought it, I think, for just under a million pounds or something like that. I actually thought a golf course would cost a lot more. So it's actually a pretty good price. And they still have a lot of money in the treasury to keep going at it. Their prices and their NFTs have almost doubled since that time. They've done tons of volume and something I've been tracking and they've got a fantastic team over there running the Dow. So this to me is great news for the sports space. And these guys are leading the way in terms of showing what community ownership can really be about. Are you a golfer, LG? I just started golfing last summer. Wow. It's all right. It's really hard. (laughs) It is tough sport. (laughs) My low points. I hit a goose by accident with a golf ball. (laughs) Like literally I hit the ball and the goose like decided to get up and fly into the trajectory of the ball. Come on. I've been amazing. hit by a golf ball
0: once when I was younger, but must've been right in the back. Yeah, it wasn't fun, but <laughs> it was fun. I actually ended up playing so much better after that because I try to hit the ball as hard as I possibly can for some reason. Yes. It's just the type of person I am. Yeah. And so when I got smoked in the back by a ball, all of a sudden I couldn't swing that hard anymore. And so I had to just ease
1: up and just hit it nice and straight the whole run. Work resume, on your form. Resume. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> That's how you have to start every golf round now is take a ball right, like right in the middle of the back, right in the spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before I can play, hit me. Just hit you hit the spine with your golf club. Let's move on to the next one. So this one i going to throw to you, but the Arbitrum airdrop, it's happening right now. I'm seeing in the streets that nobody can swap yet, that it's not up yet. There's no liquidity pools all up yet. But Kyle, what is your move today? Do you have price targets? You're going to buy some more? You're going to sell? What are you going to do with your sweet little prize there?
0: Oof. So, yeah, I was uh, lucky enough or maybe skilled enough, I'm not quite sure, to get 3,500 ARB tokens. So pretty excited about that. Thanks, Arbitro. I've been following L2s, you know, since they first launched. And so when it first launched, I just wanted to play around and see what this thing was all about. So I used the bridge and I moved some stuff around, which is great. And then I kind of left it for a while. But then, you know, last year I was like, okay, I want to get my RE tokens, which I've talked about a lot. Actually, there's a pro report on Rockpool that came out this morning and I wanted to stake my ETH, but I wanted to do it on L2. I don't wanna pay a hundred dollars in gas fees. So I actually used Arbitrum and I did a big swap on there with a bunch of my ETH. And so I think that's what gave me 3,500 tokens, which is cool. As for price, honestly, I don't really know. I haven't put a lot of like thought into it of like where it's gonna go. I've seen things around like a dollar to a dollar fifty, and that's kind of a lot of it's just being based off optimism, which I also received some airdrops from there. I mean, when I receive an airdrop, I sell like half of it or some of it, and then I keep the rest of it and so on. If I'm like super into the project, optimism, I did the same thing. ENS, same thing. I'll probably do the same. I'll probably just sell some of it just to take my winnings and you know say hey look at I got a couple thousand bucks or whatever, and then I'll keep the rest because I'm super bullish on Arbitrum and I think uh, what Arbitrum's doing is amazing. We have Andrew on the podcast all the time. Who is their CMO. And I think just the technology of Arbitrum and where they're going is going to be huge in the coming years. So if I didn't get this airdrop, I would have bought some Arbitrum at some point. Wouldn't do it right now for anyone is listening. Basically, every time we have an airdrop, the price tanks completely. And then if it's a good project and the tokenomics makes sense, it would go back up. But again, that just depends. And Arbitrum, I think, probably tanks and then I think goes back up because I think it's very, very strong, just like Optimism did. You've been thinking about this, I can tell. <laughs> Let me give a refresh here. Okay, run a buck thirty-three. It reached eight dollars and sixty-seven cents. That's
1: yeah, but very few people could trade it at that point. So I think that was just a little early on. But what I will say, Kyle, is that, you know one of, my, one of the oldest lessons. When a lot of people came to the space, listening to the first minute, they asked, they're like, "What do I do in the space?" And I was like, "No matter whatever you do, is participate." It's one of the most important right. lessons is like participate in everything. Anything that interests you, go and do it. Go and use the exchange. Go in the Discord and fill out the forms or whatever it is. Always participate because you never know when some of these projects are going to want to reward some of their early community and we're seeing that on Arbitrum now.
0: Well, first you learn, right? You learn so much more. Like I really got to understand LTs because I actually bridged over and I was like, okay, what's happening here? Hey, this, this is crazy. So that's cool and then you're right. You get paid to do that's it. Right. Why would you not ever want to do that? Right. Play around. It's it's great. You don't get that in any other space. All right. Next up socks on fire please out to burn Unisocks tokens and I guess some real socks what's going on here
1: <laughs> so to explain pleaser PleaserDAO is kind of like one of the trendsetters in the space started by people pleaser who's a very well-known artist a very trendy artist so basically what they're doing is they're going to do like a 24 hour auction i think june 15th so not for a little while where they're going to sell unisocks in a digital and physical form which i think you're going to need to burn your socks unisocks are something that were launched way back in 2019 these are like some of the original like interesting uh, or they're not even NFTs; they're actually tokens. They're launched in 2019, and they could be exchanged for a physical pair of socks. They're a very like trendy token that was sold. 2019, 2020 was kind of like the weird bear market where like weird new trends were kind of coming up. So basically, they launched that back then, and now they're going to be holding an auction, and they're going to have like special edition NFTs. I guess like included there that are going to be called Uniblocks, and they're essentially expanding their ecosystem something that I've been very curious about for a while Kyle because as you can tell I'm not super well versed on this one is kind of like the Uniswap NFT ecosystem like Uniswap has kind of dove into NFTs I think they have their own marketplace and clearly try to evolve one of the kind of the oldest products that exist in that ecosystem so this is something like honestly after we do the show I'm going to look into it a little bit more because I want to understand a little bit more of what exactly is going on here We'd love to hear your take because I feel like you might know a little bit more about it too.
0: I don't know a ton about this one. What I just learned yeah. from you though is that Unisocks are a, what are they an ERC20 token? Is that serious? I believe so. Yeah. Come on. That sounds crazy. I That's think they cool. might be 721. Let's find that out. I see Unisox NFT ID. Snites, what is it? 71 or 91. I don't know where it went now. Of course, 69. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the few most popular serial numbers in, in the NFT system is 69 and 420.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that they're NFTs.
1: I never got a Unisock. I wasn't dabbling on the NFT world back then. No, me neither. But this is, again, you know, I think one thing that we miss in NFTs is how popular things can be in the DeFi world and how right. there are still a lot of NFTs in the DeFi world, and they're just maybe not as sexy as like the apes and the smoles and all that kind of stuff, but they are right. very, very lucrative and very interesting and very, I don't know what you call it, like haute couture, like very the taste <laughs> of the tastemakers of crypto. So something yeah. to to keep an eye on for sure. But let's move on to the next one. Speaking of NFTs and maybe we understand even less is Ordinals, So Magic Eden, which was the marketplace for Solana, is now going full on into Bitcoin Ordinals and releasing their own Bitcoin NFT marketplace. Kyle, over to you.
0: This caught me by surprise. Although last time you were on the show, you kind of taught us like there is no infrastructure around the NFTs on Bitcoin, You're right. Right, which I didn't realize that. So that's quite interesting. Magic Eden, it makes sense to do this. They're popping off. There's a lot of interest. I think the interest is mainly just like ETH DGen traders that are just moving over there to do the same thing because there's less interest on the normal chains at the moment. And maybe some new Bitcoiners that are like, okay, we're going to get into this too. I don't think it really goes anywhere as I've consistently said, even though it is going somewhere at the moment. But anyway, I think Magic Eden's just like, they're just trying to be everywhere, right? They were on Solana, they moved to Ethereum, they're on Polygon, and now they're also hitting up Bitcoin, which is smart. I mean, they need a marketplace, and so why not make it Magic Eden? So I think it's a smart move by Magic Eden to do, but otherwise, I'm not playing
1: around with any NFTs on Bitcoin, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have this like, not sunk cost, but like sunk opportunity fallacy, where it's like, I had an opportunity to get Bitcoin ordinal punks, and I just kind of passed on I was like, I don't know what's going on. So I'm just not going to look into this. And those go for four Bitcoin each now. So I have this thing in my head where I'm like, I missed on the ordinal, so I don't care. It right. pushed me even further away from it to have totally, totally missed. <laughs> right. <Reserve>. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been a big... I mean, it would have been pretty sweet if you got to come on here and show us here. What is it called? An ordinal punk? I wouldn't Dude, that. I wouldn't have anymore. Right. I would have sold that thing. Are <laughs> kidding me? No.
0: All right. Last quick hit of the show sotheby's we talk about sotheby's quite a bit actually they're holding a meme inspired nft auction featuring people what's going
1: on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so sotheby's is a very classic auction house it's where you would typically go to have very rare paintings and other pieces of art auctioned off but you know since this nft craze they have been more in the conversation right because they have at times auctioned off and housed different nft projects which is really cool and that's a lot of validation for the space saying that nfts are considered really real and fantastic art so they're going to be doing a few different auctions coming up at the end of this month for people again and a few different artists but actually one of the most interesting parts of this is that i guess the auction is going to be inspired by the subreddit bring it all the way back to reddit yeah, called yeah. oddly satisfying if you've ever been to the oddly satisfying subreddit it's basically like videos and photos of like things fitting perfectly together like when you have to paint a wall and you just have just enough paint for it or weird little like things like that where it's just like things are just so smooth in life so they are going to be doing different arts from these different artists that is inspired by the subreddit oddly satisfying. so it's a very bizarre kind of like mix of art but that's basically what they're doing and you know the fact that again they're doing this in the middle of the bear market bringing nfts to auction on like a really popular platform like this is again good reason to be bullish on the space Keep
0: calling it a bear market. are we out of
1: the bear market now? Oh, yes, the NFT bear market is still there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Are we in a bull market? I don't know. No, I don't know if we're bull market. The macro is still chaotic, so I don't know if we can say we're bull. Market. Ooh, have you funny. looked at prices this morning? Whoa, what just happened? Something. Just happened. I don't know, but ETH is- in- Something happened oh, I know. when we were talking.
0: ETH is happened on, in the last hour. Almost 6%, but you know what I bet it is? Well, either something's going on with banks right now that we're not aware of, or you can now swap your ARB token and people are putting it
1: into you. Man, but Bitcoin's (laughs) up the same, the same candle. Oh. Very things are happening. Well, there you go. Yeah. Bull market. Bull market ignited. (laughs) It started right as I finished that sentence. So really I wasn't wrong.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, friends, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us. And a big thank you to LG. LG is a superstar. He has a voice made for podcasts and a face made for YouTube. Don't worry. I can not chew. Very nice. <laughs> I love having you on the show, man. I'm taking vacation two weeks from now, so I don't know who Jay's getting to fill in, but maybe we'll have to get you back. <laughs> if I'm allowed back, who knows? Yeah, yeah if he's allowed back. Well, all of you in our Discord, let us know what you think of LG. Should we get him back? Does he give some good advice? Or should we send him packing back into the bear market and never speak to him again because he didn't get Ordinal's punk
1: (laughs) (laughs) y'all remind me please torture
0: friends thank you again for joining and we will see you next week which i'm sure there will be tons to talk about once again but thank you and have a wonderful weekend thank you for listening to web3 academy we hope this helps you along your web3 journey If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.